Our scripture this morning is short but good. It's from John's Gospel, the 10th chapter, verse 27. Hear now the voice of our Lord. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Linda Marceau, as Matt said, and it is a great joy and privilege to be here this morning. Um, Alma Heights Church is truly the place that I grew up spiritually. This is the place that I call home for so many reasons, and I am eternally and forever grateful to this community of faith. Um, Today I'm going to be sharing a piece of my story, a piece of my journey, as I came to understand what it meant to hear from God. I grew up in a very traditional family in Houston, Texas. I had a mom and a dad and sisters and brothers, and it was very important in our family that we were in church every single Sunday. But one of the things that was missing in those growing up years in church was that we didn't talk a lot about having a relationship with Jesus. And we didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and understanding what the role of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And so I entered into my teenage years and I had a little bit of foundation, but but not enough. And I entered into my teenage years, and they were a little shaky. I went to junior high and high school, and I made some bad choices. And I got caught up in the wrong crowds. And I look back on it, and what I realize is that I was looking for love, acceptance, and validation in all the wrong places. And I continued on that path even into my college years. But the very best blessing that I got in college was a man, and his name was Randy Marceau. And he was the greatest gift and still is. We've been married for over 30 years, and he's been a true gift in my life. But one of the first things that he did was take me back to church. And we were here in San Antonio. We were visiting my hometown, as I said, was Houston. And he took me to uh, Concordia Lutheran Church. And some of you may know that pastor at that time. His name was Guido Merkins. And Dr. Merkins was giving a message, and the message was about forgiveness. And he spoke very eloquently about not only forgiving others, but about forgiving ourselves. So as he spoke, I thought, and I, and I pondered the years uh, that I had grown to regret. And I pondered the mistakes that I made, and I felt that he was talking specifically to me. And he said, today is the day that you need to be healed. Today is the day that you need to forgive yourself. And so as I'm sitting there and I'm listening to the message, all of a sudden, I have this warmth that begins to penetrate me from the top of the head all the way down to the tips of my toes. And I feel this presence uh, on me and in me. And it was the most loving presence that I had ever known. And I knew at that time what I've come to understand is that that was God's prevenient grace. It was the grace that reaches out to us before we're even aware of it. It's the grace that calls us home. It's the grace that says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. So you would think after that experience with God that I would get on my knees and I would surrender at that point and that I would say, God, my life is yours. 
Um, I give you I give you control over these decisions. I give you control over my children, control over my circumstances. But I didn't do that. Instead, I, I continued on until I'm almost 36 years old because in my mind I thought, I have to have my kids in school before I can truly surrender. I had some very strange ideas about what surrender looked like. So as soon as my youngest child got in elementary school and got in kindergarten, I got on my knees. I had joined a Bible study. It was called Bible Study Fellowship. And in the very first month, I got on my knees and I said, okay, now I'm ready. Um, You know, and I repented and I asked God to take control of my life and to make it his own. And so that day, I will say that I didn't feel anything immediately, not anything like that first experience that I would that I had had with God. But this but this time it was a it was in process. And over a period of three months, it was as if I was walking one foot in and one foot out of the world. My mind was definitely in heavenly places and God was putting a hunger and a passion in me. To seek out and to search for the things of God and the things of the kingdom. And I, and I had a hunger for the word of God like I had never had before. And it came alive in ways that I had never experienced. So I joined BSF and I spent the next six years there and I was a children's leader and I, you know, was a leader with the discussion groups with adults. And in the sixth year, one of the things that they taught us in BSF was to trust that God would speak through the scriptures, that you didn't need to rely on commentaries because God would have a word specifically for you and he would, it would flow through the scriptures. And so one day as I'm doing my lesson, I had, it was over a period of time, there was a theme that was starting to stand out. And it was coming through several different scriptures. And as, just to begin, I want to share those scriptures with you this morning. The first one is in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and it says this. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. In Mark 12, verse 24, it says this, Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures are the power of God? In Luke 24, 49, it said, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And in Acts 1, 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts 4, 32 through 34, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. 
So these are a few of the scriptures that God was putting in front of me. And I think you can recognize the theme that's jumping off the pages. And the theme is this. Linda, there is a power that is available for you. There is more than what you are currently experiencing in my kingdom. There is a power that you need in order to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. There is a power that you need to do ministry and to preach and to be among the people and to give the way that I am calling you to give. And so I began to offer that back to God as I held up the scriptures and looked at the disciples that followed Jesus and looked at my life and I saw the inconsistencies and I said, Lord, I, whatever it is that you have for me, I am open and I desire it because I had learned by this time that all that we can get from God is his goodness. That he is so loving, so tender, so gentle. And so I was ready to embrace whatever he had for me. So over a period of about three months, I began to experience these, my mind being transformed. So as I'm sleeping at night, I would lay my head on the pillow. And what would happen is scriptures and songs and psalms. I would go over and over in my mind all night long. And it was that scripture verse about, I will write my words on your heart. And that's what God was doing. And so I began to awaken at this time to the power of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't something that I was familiar with. It wasn't something that I had been taught a lot about. And so I needed to seek out people that could help me in these areas. And one of the things that God had put on my heart during this time was prayer. And so he, so I felt like he was calling me to begin to pray for the community of faith. At that time, I was in New Heights under Scott Hare. And I felt like he wanted me to go to Scott and to begin to ask for prayer requests for the people to take home so that I could pray for them. And so I went to Scott and I told him what was going on. And I said, you know, and I offered, I said, Does your, do you have prayer requests from your community that I could take home and pray? I feel like this is something God has really put on my heart. And Scott said, well, that... That would be really great, but um, honestly, our prayer leader for New Heights has just left, and I would love if you would consider being the head of our prayer ministry. And I thought when I left there, I was like, okay, I will pray about this, but there is no way because I suffered from severe, terrifyingly painful fear of speaking in public and praying in public. And so when he asked me to be the prayer leader, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to ask me to pray out loud in front of people. And there's just no way. And so how many of you know that when God calls you to something, the first thing you have to overcome is your fear. The second thing you're going to have to overcome is people's opinion of, of, of you. And then the third thing you're going to have to overcome is just that stepping out in faith and taking that leap of faith that God calls us to take. When we begin to exercise his will for our lives. So I begin to pray about going about taking on prayer ministry. And the very next day, one of the first things that happens, I open my um, I open my utmost for his highest. And the uh, devotional that morning is about Peter. And it's about Peter getting out of the boat. And the, and the little devotional says, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And so I think, well, that's a good confirmation, but I need a few more. So I go, the next thing that I do, I go to my Bible study. I was in 
several Bible studies because I was so hungry for the things of God. And I go to the next one, and there on the big screen, and it's in a church, and there's a big screen up in the church, and there's a book up there, and it's a book by John Ortberg, and the name of it is, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. And so then I go home. All this happens in one day. I go home. It's the end of the day. It's our anniversary. And Randy gives me a gift. And it's a book. And it's wrapped. And I open it up. And the book is called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat by John Ortberg. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, I hear you. So I went back to Scott. And I said, okay, I am going to take a leap of faith in this. But you need to know I don't pray out loud. Just FYI. And uh, he said, well you know what, I I trust that God knows what he's doing. And we're going to go ahead and I'm going to get you some training. And so the very first thing he did was connect me with Donna Strebe and Carolyn Barentine and uh, Miss Hollingshead over here, Mary Ann, and a wonderful group of people, Nora Scott. And I had the best, most loving, gentle training I could ever ask for. So just be encouraged when God's calls you, all he's asking you to do is take one step. Just take one step and trust me with the rest. So I took that one step and the rest is history. So I'm going through and and I'm experiencing the prayer life and I'm loving it. And then I discovered there's another gift that God's given me. And it's a gift that I'm not at all familiar with. And um, in the way that I that, that I discovered it, I was driving down Broadway. I was in front of our of the old uh, Alma Heights Methodist Church on Broadway. And all of a sudden, as I'm driving, I start receiving this stream of words coming into my mind. And I'm like and I knew I knew it was God and I'd never had this experience before. And so I turned my car over into the parking lot, grabbed a pen and paper, and I started writing down what I felt like God was saying. And what it was, the very first part was Second uh, Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I will come and heal their land. And then the second piece was, if the pastors and the churches will begin to work together, if all of these lines of division will go away and you truly become the body of Christ, I will begin to move on behalf of this city of San Antonio. And that was in the year 2000. And I came back to the church and I handed Scott Hare that paper and I said, what in the world is happening to me? And he said, that is called prophecy. And so, um, again, once again in prayer ministry, I began to learn about prophecy and understand exactly what that gift is. And, um, and I began to function and to pray and to experience this gift and to share it with others. And then my next experience with the Holy Spirit, I'm in, I'm at an Emmaus walk and it's the year 2002. And uh, I'm in the chapel. I don't know how many of you have been on a mass walk. If you haven't, uh, be sure and tell one of the pastors that you'd like to go. It is a life-changing experience. It was for me. And the Lord said, Linda, I am calling you into full-time ministry. Well, once again, the insecurities kick in. You know, I can relate to Gideon. I can relate to Moses. Who am I, Lord, that you should call me? I have no words of eloquence to speak. And it's, it's interesting about God. He picks the most unlikely suspects, doesn't he? 
And so I encourage you today that don't look at what you see because God sees so much more in us than we see in ourselves. So that day I said yes once again and I started to take the steps. And I go to seminary and I start the ordination process in the Methodist Church. It's very long. It's about eight years. So if he's calling you, get started today. And by the sixth year, I, um, I begin to have doubts. And I go through a season of doubts and insecurities. And I'm in seminary and they're teaching things that I just, I, I just don't agree with. And I'm not sure that we would, that we would agree with them here in our church. But I just thought there is no way that God can be asking me to do this and to finish it. So I go back into a time of discernment and prayer. And I begin to ask God if he wants me to finish or if it was just an act of obedience to even start the process. Because what I knew is that God equips those who he calls. So if he was calling me, I knew I could get it either just from him or there was this other path I was taking. But it just seemed that this was the path I was to be on. So, again, I'm in this season of doubt. I go to this conference. It is in Waco, Texas at Antioch Church. And they offer what's called prophetic prayer appointments. This was an appointment. I was the first one to sign up. I said, absolutely. I want all the prayer I can get. I need it. I needed God's direction. I was searching and seeking. So I go to my appointment. It's very gentle. Um, Basically what it is, you just go in with a room full of people that are going to pray for you. And basically they just listen and share what God puts on their heart for you. It's always encouraging. It's always loving. It's always life-giving if it's the Lord. So I'm sitting in front of them, and one of them says, Linda, I have a picture of you. And in this picture, I see you kneeling down. Um, You're wearing a robe, and I see a man behind you who is also wearing a robe, and he's laying his hands on your shoulders, and he is anointing you to lead a community of faith, and he is anointing you um, to, uh, to preach the gospel. And I thought, you know what? That's all I need. And so I got up from there, and I finished that ordination process. I finished the next two years, and it's now behind me, and I celebrate that. But, um, but it was the encouragement that I need, and only God knew how, how I could receive that best. So I get back on track. I've come through Emmaus. I, um, let's see, I'm losing my place. I go to the next thing, my next encounter with God. Hold on. Sorry. So my next experience with God, I'm reading and it's in, um, I've come out and I'm studying John Wesley and I'm, I'm reading. And what I find is that John Wesley too experienced doubt in his walk. You know, John Wesley, he was preaching, he was teaching and he was doing everything that he knew to do, but he had doubt. And he offered that up to God and he asked for months. He said, Lord, I need assurance of my confirmation. I need assurance that I am saved. And he was sharing with a friend and he said, he said, the friend said to him, you keep preaching and you keep preaching faith until you have it. And so he stuck with it. But he said it's when he was at Aldersgate, he was listening to a pastor and the pastor was preaching and the pastor said, um, God is going to change your heart and you will know it. You will know that God's touched you because your heart will experience transformation. And that day, John Wesley experienced the true conversion experience. He said his heart 
was strangely warmed. And I read that and I was so encouraged because what I realized is that God reaches out, that God loves, that God pursues, that God is faithful, that God is relentless to for his people. That he will go to great lengths to, to reach, to save, to restore, and to bring healing to every single person. And so today, as we close, I have a couple of things I'd like you to consider. The first is, have you had that true conversion experience with God? Are you in the place where you know that you know that you know that you have that eternal salvation? And then the second piece, are you in that place where you are experiencing the power and the equipping of the Holy Spirit to do the work of the gospel? Today, as we enter into this next part, this response time, where there's going to be a few of us down in front, and we'd like to anoint you with oil. We'd like to anoint that your ears would be open and attentive to hear from heaven. And so as we begin this next part, I invite you to come forward and to receive and to begin and to take that very first step for the more that God has for you, because I don't think that anyone is here on accident. I don't think that we just stumble through life on accident. I think God is very intentional. I think he's very purposeful. I think he's brought you here with an invitation, with an extension of his hand, and he's saying, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Will you pray? Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that you are good, that you are faithful, God, that you love us, that you know us by name, Lord, that you take our shame, Lord, and you call us accepted and beloved and treasured. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room, Lord, that you love beyond, Lord, what we can ask or imagine. Lord, I pray that today would be a new day, a new beginning, a new dawn. Father, that you would begin to open hearts, Lord, to hear from heaven. Open ears. Unstop our ears. Lord, we repent that we have not sought you with our whole heart, with all of our whole selves. Lord, forgive us. But, Father, I thank you that you are good, that you are faithful, and that forgiveness is extended from the far as the east is to the west when we ask for it. So, Lord, would you begin the transformation of our hearts in this new season that we are entering into. And for every single person here, Lord, that is willing, would you pour out your Holy Spirit in in fullness. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.